Welcome to For the Love of Yoga, the podcast series where we explore yoga, Vedanta, Tantra, and other schools of spiritual philosophy so that we might live more meaningful lives. For more episodes of For the Love of Yoga, visit us at patreon.com slash yoga with Nish. May these words serve you. Happy Father's Day to you one and all. We'll have a a little bit of a Father's Day themed class today, which frankly speaking is a Jesus themed class. (laughs) Peace and blessings be upon him. We'll come and lie down first and foremost, and we'll bend the knees and have the feet flat on the floor. Yes, just like that. So your choice now, what you'd like to do with the hands. And there are a few options, recognizing that the hands are a powerful tool to guide attention and recognizing that where attention goes, energy flows. I'd like for you to make a conscious decision where to send energy today. A few choices. Option one is to bring the hands about four fingers below the navel or or at least just below the navel to the lower belly. And Ryan, bring the hands a little wider together so you can get the sides, there you go. Now, the idea of having the hands on the lower belly is this can be the most grounding and energizing position for the hands. This region of the belly is known as the uh, hara point in martial arts, the kanda, meaning bulb point in tantra, and the lower dantian in qigong. Clearly, across the traditions, there is an emphasis on this region, just four fingers below the navel. So if you'd like a little grounding, a little energization, place the hands here. Now, if you feel like there is a lack of discipline or will in your life, a sense of lingering shame and inability to be self-assured and confident, then a good place to place the hands is just above the navel, closer to the upper abdomen, underneath the floating ribs. That's a nice place to find some strength in the core. And of course, if there is any grief in the heart, any feeling of despair or loneliness, hands over the heart is very nice. You can, of course, do any combination of these three. And the fourth choice is to place the hands alongside the torso with the palms facing up. Fingers softly curling in. This configuration promotes tremendous surrender and submission. Like that word Islam, to surrender to something greater than ourselves. So palms face down in the body for containment, for re-energizing. Palms face up towards the sky for releasing surrendering and opening up to higher guidance. In a way, whether your palms are face down or face up, whether they're facing the inside or facing the sky, they're both facing the same direction. For verily, without is within and within is without. Follow your gaze up into the sky and beyond. Follow the inner gaze into the heart and beyond and you will end up in the same place. Beyond all notions of good or bad, right or wrong, there is a field. Meet me there. 
Beyond the clouds in the sky, there is spaciousness. Beyond the thoughts and emotions in the mind, there is spaciousness. Everywhere, there is only spaciousness. Inside each atom, nothing but spaciousness. Inside each breath, nothing but spaciousness. What is this skin, this illusory boundary between inner spaciousness and outer spaciousness? Is it not also spaciousness? For this moment now, relax completely like a sugar cube in water. Let matter dissolve into space. And let's start to listen. Just listening to the sounds around you. And as if you were listening for something, but not anything in particular. Recognize sound now as an expression of spaciousness. Listening, listening now for the cawing of the birds, for the movement of the city around you if you live in one, the hum of distant traffic, the various cries and calls of animals, the sound of the wind sighing through the trees. the sound of your house creaking, the sound of your bones and body, the house of the soul creaking. The sound of the earth rumbling beneath you and the sound of your belly rumbling. the sound of fire crackling in the center of the earth, the sound of your saliva crackling and your jataragni stomach fire crackling. The sound of this voice as a textural component as opposed to a conceptual one. And just lie there listening. Listen as the mountain listens. Listen like the oak tree. Now, notice if you can hear in the multiplicity of sounds around you, in the multiplicity of sounds within you, can you notice a unity? a kind of underlying sound.
Listen for the one sound that seems to connect all the sounds together, or alternatively, listen to all the sounds as if they were one sound. In other words, now surrender all your identification that demarcates one sound for, from, from another. Just like your skin is an illusory boundary between the quote unquote inner and quote unquote outer worlds, so too are your concepts an illusory boundary between all things, creating diversity where there really is only unity. So please surrender now your concepts. In other words, if you hear a bird cawing, forget that it's a bird. Just hear the sound, the raw sound of it. This is much easier than you think it is. Simply intend to listen without conceptualizing and it will happen for you. And as you listen to all the sounds as one sound, you might hear it, the pranava shabda, the amen of the Jewish mystics, the amin of the Muslims, the amen ra of the early Egyptians. Listen for it now.
Listen now for the Logos, the Word that was there in the beginning, the Word that is with God, the Word that is God, that is present here now, underneath all the sounds around you. Continue to listen, keeping the ears open as we start to take up, take up the breath now. So begin to follow the movement of breath in and out through the nose. Of course, continuing to listen for the sound of the pranava. Add also the sensation of breath in the belly. Feel how the in-breath expands the side ribs and the lower belly. Feel the space across the chest. And then on the out-breath, feel that gentle release. You're maintaining space in the upper chest. The out-breath involves simply the upper abdomen and the lower belly. And I'd like for you to notice how, as you breathe, there are three parts to the torso. We'll explore this in a pranayam, in a seated posture later. For now, simply note that as you inhale, the breath first fills up lower belly and lower back. It then spirals up into the upper abdomen and middle back, as well as the side ribs and the sides of the torso. And then the breath finally expands the chest, armpits, and upper back. So often, we do not breathe properly, avoiding the fullest nature of breath, because doing so would unite us not only with our power, but also with our darkness. So my first invitation, humbly, God willing, is to breathe into your enteric nervous system, your belly the site of samskara, ancestral memory. Breathe now into the lower belly and also feel the breath in the lower back. Breathe into the side ribs and feel the breath in the middle back. Breathe into the upper chest and feel the breath in the armpits and upper back. And then as you exhale, notice it's the same three fields except in reverse. Emptying the chest, then the Middle belly, then the lower belly. Yet maintain that space in your chest, even upon the exhale. So let's start to bring the breath now into a sort of rhythm. Smooth, full inhale and a smooth, full exhale. You might even try counting mentally and silently four or six beats for the inhale and then count the same number of beats for the exhale. And the idea is, is to just even out inhale and exhale without worrying about how fast or how slow you're breathing. Just find a way to match the duration of inhale with exhale.
Now, this might be enough for you. For those of you who'd like to add the pause, the kumbhaka, breath retention segment, begin to pause once after the inhale and perhaps again after the exhale. Pause for as long as you'd like insofar as your face can stay soft and easeful. So I recommend pausing for about two beats. But if you've been practicing a while, go ahead and pause for at least as long as the inhale and exhale. So if you're inhaling for four beats, pause for four beats. If you're exhaling for four beats, pause for four beats. Now today's Father's Day class will feature Shiva nature, space, consciousness, the passive container of energy, uh, uh, passive uh, aspect of energy. Recognizing that Shiva is not different from Shakti. Consciousness is not different from energy. They're two aspects of the same thing. In the same way as we've deduced matter as being non-different for energy, from energy, E equals mc squared, we can now add a new part of that equation, which is S equals mc squared. <laughs> Shiva Shakti equals energy equals matter equals speed of light, uh, time speed of light. Time, yeah, you get it. Okay. But not just spaciousness, but also structure. Structure is an element of the father throughout spiritual traditions. Jnana, wisdom, knowledge, structure. Let's find that now in the breath. So by counting a rhythm, you are gently easing your breath into a structure. Notice that this structure brings you in touch with energy since consciousness and energy are not separate. Interacting with Shiva brings you into Shakti and interacting with Shakti brings you into Shiva. So today we're going to express static poses with an emphasis on structure and with an emphasis on spaciousness. But within that structure, notice the chaos and expression. Within that stillness and static pose, notice how the saliva is moving, how the blood is flowing, how the electricity is circulating around the body. There can be no Father's Day class without a Mother's Day element and vice versa. So once you find the structure of your breath, please notice the quality of the breath. It's feeling in the belly, side ribs and chest, and also it's feeling in the nose. Notice its movement gently in and out of your body. And notice the way air around you becomes air within you and air within you becomes air around you. Again, dissolving the boundary between within and without. Dissolve your boundary of separation between you and the Father. The Lord God is not a guy in the sky. For verily I say unto thee, I and my Father are one. I can of my own self do nothing. All my works, my Father who art in heaven, does through me. 
And where is heaven? Within. Breathe into that kingdom now. And where is within? Without. So is heaven up there? Yes. Is heaven inside here? Yes. Is heaven in both places? Yes. Is heaven in neither places? Yes. Our next thing that we're going to do together is to start bringing the breath into an ujjayi kind of expression. Ujjayi means victorious. And the idea here is to constrict the back of the throat ever so slightly. It's the glottal stop, the little glottis region there. Just close it, narrow it. And the idea is to create a kind of snoring sound. It's very gentle. It's not forced. And if there was someone next to you, they probably wouldn't be able to hear it. But you can certainly hear it. Gentle snoring sound, feeling the breath gliding across the very top of the mouth as you breathe in and out through the nose, narrowing the throat. Listen for that snoring. It's easier to hear it on the inhale as opposed to the exhale, but continue to breathe evenly within the structure you've created. Continue to feel the quality of the breath as a sensation in the skin, but add also now a sound to the breath. You might be perplexed. Why are we bringing less air into the body? And the answer is yogis are not interested in breathing more. <laughs> Actually, most of the time we're interested in not breathing at all. But when we do breathe, quality over quantity. So by narrowing the back of the throat, notice you have an auditory component to the breath and a heightened sensory component. The more you allow yourself to become interested in the breath, the more you anchor yourself to the sound and sensation of breath, the more powerful that breath becomes. So please cultivate now for a few moments your ujjayi pranayam. the sound of the ocean, the sound of the earth turning. Again, this requires structure. Structuring the number of counts to inhale, pause, exhale, pause. Structuring the throat so as to breathe in this conditioned way. Structuring the mind so as to stay rooted in the breath and in the, in the rhythm. But please notice how this structure frees you up. Notice how before you were kicked around by your thoughts, drawn into the past and into the future despite your protest. But now... Through structure and discipline, through force and will, there is effortlessness, spaciousness, and freedom. Can you sense the freedom in bondage? 
If you allow yourself to do whatever you want, whenever you want, is that really freedom? Or is that not the ultimate slavery to impulses? The father is the emperor of the tarot, the great ascetic. The father is the world renouncer. The father is the iron will of control and dominance. When taken too far, it becomes tyranny. When properly balanced, it is justice. Please find that now, that dominion over the lower self. Mikael stepping on the snake of impulses. Structure the breath. Structure the mind. And notice what great freedom there is in discipline. Just a few more moments here. Notice the freedom of a John Coltrane sax solo. Do you think there would be such freedom if Coltrane did not practice hours on end every day without fail? Fasting is the bread of the prophets. If thou canst not live upon air in the desert for at least some period of time, how dost thou thinkest thou might now drink this manadu that my father dispenses ever so freely? Be hungry and ye shall be fed. Be thirsty and ye shall drink. But of a food and water far richer than thou art accustomed to. When you feel like it, we'll draw the knees into the chest. So no rush, but our first pose is Appanasan. So exhaling to draw the knees into the chest. And I recommend a static Appanasan today. So if you'd like to rock side to side, if you'd like to rock back and forth, sure, please. You are more than welcome to do so. But I invite you humbly to explore just the uh, pose, Appanasan, statically. So you might hold the knees, you might hold the shins. You might hold under the knees or under the shins, grabbing the backs of the hamstrings. You might even wrap your arms around the shins for a tighter, more contained experience. But whatever you're doing with the arms, let's focus on the shoulder heads. Now, the idea is not really to pull the knees into the chest with the biceps, although certainly some of that is going on. More importantly, just hold the knees, create the structure of the pose, and let relaxation do the pose for you. That is to say, let the relaxing of the outer upper shoulder down towards the mat achieve the effect that otherwise might be the work of the biceps. So notice this, the biceps can work. They can draw the knees into the chest, but they don't have to. Relaxing the shoulders will do the exact same thing in a different way. <laughs> you see, you live your life as if you were riding a donkey, holding all of the weight on your own head. 
put the weight on the donkey. For verily I say unto thee, my father is not but a donkey. He will carry thee wherever thou mayest go. Why carry your own loads? Oh, it aches the heart to see you carry this all. Just release the shoulders down to the floor. In other words, let the pose do you. Nothing to do today. Just set up the structure skeletally. And then the work in the musculature is just to relax. So relax the eyes now. Feel the muscles around the eyes releasing. You might close the eyes if you feel comfortable or you might gaze at a fixed spot. You might allow the gaze to broaden to receive all the things above you. But try to avoid darting or scattering the gaze about. So if you flick the eyes from one point of focus to another, the muscles will tighten up. So rather than that, just surrender looking, or I should say surrender seeing, and focus instead on looking. Surrender the imagistic and conceptual components of gaze and focus on the textural components. You might feel your inner eye melting back towards the center of the brain as your outer eye relaxes towards the temples. You might feel your eyeballs sinking deeper into your skull. And you might feel your mouth becoming a little gentler. Maybe turn the corners of the mouth up slightly. This can greatly release the facial muscles. Release the nape of the neck, surrendering the vocal cords. Release shoulder heads, upper back. Release the middle back. And now remember this pose is about the lower back more than anything. Allow the weight of the legs to massage the lower back. And now if you would like, if you think it can help you be more in the shape, you're welcome to gently rock side to side. Not with wild, reckless abandon, but with control with a disciplined intention, either circle the knees around the hips, either rock side to side, either rock back and forth or any combination of these, but let each movement be thought out and intentional. And when you feel like you've done enough of this, come back to center and our next pose will be Ananda Balasan, happy baby or blissful baby. To do this pose, simply point the soles of the feet to the sky, knees come apart, bend the knees and reach the hands to grab either the big toes with the peace sign or outer edges of the feet. Now, whichever, uh, Ryan, outside edges of the feet. Yes, there you go. This will open your chest a bit more. Now, whatever you're holding in the foot, 
flex the ankles, flex the toes back as if you were standing on the sky or ceiling. And the idea here is the elbows will bend and you can use the biceps any amount to draw the knees down to the floor on either side of the ribs. But stay grounded in the lower back. So bring a little intelligence into the sacrum. And please do not pull too much. Instead, allow the shoulders relaxing to do the work. So like an apanasan, just allow the shoulder heads to melt to the floor. Release the jaw, release the nape of the neck. This is a hip opener. So breathe into the pelvic bowl. Feel the inner groins releasing, the outer hips expressing a sensation. Tuck the chin in a little more, Ryan, tiny bit more. Yes, good. Create space in the back of the neck. And then feel how this pose is creating space for you, space in the hips. We store a lot of emotional residue there in the hips. So today, let's open it. You might be perplexed. Father's Day class, yet we're working with hip openers. Didn't we do that on Mother's Day? <laughs> yes. And here you find perhaps the most progressive philosophy, politically speaking. That the father is the mother and the mother is the father. Because only one thing exists. And so all dichotomies are rubbished. But here's a perplexing thing. The dichotomy helps you find the unity. A clearly defined and demarcated masculine pole, a yang, as opposed to a feminine pole, a yin, somehow allows you to resolve the two into the one. There is such a thing as structure and stillness. And that gives you dynamic movement and ecstasy. There is such a thing as ecstasy, sensuality, and movement. But in that, there is stillness. So you find the mother in the father, and you find the father in the mother because they are both you, the son. Not S-O-N, but S-U-N, the source of life. Okay, back to Apanasana. Draw the knees together again. And now we're going to do Ekapada Apanasana. So just bring the left foot to the floor, hold the right knee into the chest. And you might stay like this, or you might straighten the left leg on the floor, up to you. If you straighten the left leg on the floor, be sure to keep the back of the pelvis grounded. In any case, begin to flex that right foot now, flexing the right toes back, lifting the right arches. So activate that right leg. So a gentle and very restorative opening part of practice, but the emphasis is on listening to the sounds around you and within you. Recognizing space and the voice of spaciousness. The emphasis of today's class is on discipline. Stillness demands discipline. Can you show up on your mat no matter what, even when you don't feel like it, when you much rather go to sleep? I mean, after all, you really could use the rest. 
What about all these sniffles? No, 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 I should heal. No. The emperor does not give in to these impulses. And too much of this and you get tyranny. The body will give up on you. The well will dry up and the kingdom will be in ruin. Too little and the bandits will roam freely. Sensing the king's weakness, they will do as they please. And there will be no order and no structure. Some of you might be rejecting tyranny, having grown up with it. And so you've retreated to the opposite pole. <laughs> the pendulum has swung too far. Now you have masked your contentedness, your assuaged complacency with this idea that it's self-love, self-acceptance. I will accept my imperfections just because I know the extreme is even worse. <laughs> so yes, I am lazy. I am this, I am that. And I love that. No, that shows how much ignorance we have about our true nature, which is perfect. And so there is a kind of cruelty that when tempered becomes discipline. It is will and ambition. The desire to be all that you can be despite what you are, recognizing that what you think you are is not what you are. You are already that which you wish to be, yet some discipline is required to become what you are. Straighten the leg now. So uh, right, left leg, sorry. So hold the right knee in, straighten the left leg on the floor and we'll take a twist. So the idea is to bring the right knee down to the left side of the mat. Use the left hand to guide the right knee across the torso and down to the floor on the left side. Reach the right arm out to the right. And if there's no space, you can bend the right elbow and have the palm beside the face. All right, so notice now here, there is an exercise in tyranny. You want to achieve a twist. That is to say, you want to um, feel a sensation in the uh, right side of the torso, in the right lower back, in the right outer hip. You want to churn. Now your left hand can act like a tyrant. It can force the right knee down. That is the emperor taken into its extreme the dictator, the tyrant. Your left hand might be completely dull and lifeless, doing nothing. That is the weak king that will soon be dethroned, perhaps in favor of a tyrant. <laughs> so please find the middle way. Use that left hand to gently, nurturingly guide that right knee down to the left. At the same time, Notice that your right shoulder blade stays pinned. Again, this can be like a tyrant. You can jam the right shoulder blade into the floor. But if you do that, there will be rigidity in the arm and the pose is lost. The body will rebel sooner or later. Now, release the left or right shoulder blade and you won't get a twist. The right, uh, left, right knee will just dominate the pose and you will lose that structure. So please notice the tyrant is dethroned and the weak king is dethroned. It is only the king that knows how to be the queen, the mother, that is able to hold the structure of the pose. So place that right shoulder blade down now, 
gently, but with will, with assurance, ground in that right shoulder blade, ground in the outer edge of the right upper, sorry, ground in the outer upper shoulder. And use that left hand to guide the right knee down to the left. If the neck allows, you might turn the face to gaze at that uh, right thumb. And Judy, I would flip that right palm up to face the ceiling. And notice how this opens the right chest a little more. Just noticing that in your own body. Feeling that broadening across the collarbones as you twist the upper body one way and twist the lower body the other. It is a demanding twist. So just breathe into it. Relax into the effort. And listen. Inhale, bring that knee back to center. And please return to Appanasana if you'd like. Both knees coming into the chest and pause for a moment. Notice how the right side of the body feels now as opposed to the left side. Just notice any differences in texture and sensation. And when you're ready, hold the left knee, bring the right foot to the floor. So we'll do Ardha Appanasana for a little while. Right foot's on the floor, right knee is bent. And just not Ardha, it's Ekapada Appanasana actually, drawing the left knee into the chest. One legged downward moving energy pose. So we're working into the descending colon now. The left side of the stomach. It's very nice to follow the breath in the belly when you're holding a knee into the chest because now you can feel the breath pressing up against the knee with the skin of the lower belly. If somewhere in the process of doing these shapes, you've lost your ujjayi breath, just delight in having noticed that and then find it again. Narrowing the back of the throat to create that soft, very gentle snoring sound. Again, notice, if you don't constrict the back of the throat, you will lose the structure and focus of breath. However, if you constrict the back of the throat too much, you will suffocate and get red in the face. <laughs> so again, explore that middle way between tyranny and weakness, the way of the king. One might say Vedic culture has a lot of dad, not really a lot of daddy issues, but we like our daddies. You know, we're very warrior oriented sometimes. But our conception of masculinity is very different because while in the beginning, our pastoral peoples conceived of the man in the same way many pastoral peoples do as a strong warrior, Indra, king of the gods, a Zeus figure, lightning god. We moved away from that to prefer duty, discipline, 
doing your allotted task, like you see in the Bhagavad Gita with heroes like Arjuna. But more importantly, we conceive of the masculine as the spiritual renouncer, the world renouncer, the one who is the hermit, the one who is able to harness inner forces and bring them under his control. Shiva is the ultimate masculine. Yet, he doesn't partake in wars. He doesn't do his duty in society. He doesn't do anything. His strength comes from not doing, from not reacting, from abstaining. Verily, I say unto thee, deny thyself. For he who shall lose his life shall find it. Flex that left foot, left toes flexed back, lift the arches of the left foot, activate that left leg. And when you're ready, straighten the right leg on the floor, coming into a full Ekapada Appanasana. As you straighten the right leg, you might notice the uh, lower back arching away from the floor a little bit. That's only natural. It's okay. But just bring a little more weight into the back of the pelvis. Again, not so much that you become rigid but bring some level of assurance and will there. So interestingly enough, where in most cultures, the man is the doer, the achiever, the participant in society, Indian culture eventually framed the man as the opposite of those things. Seeing those things as a weakness, a slavery to one's culture, a slavery to one's biology in the case of lust and greed a slavery to uh, one's own need for achievement and self-validation and action. So what it really meant to be a man in ancient India is to renounce those things. However, both narratives were held to be true at the same time. You have Shiva who hangs out alone in icy mountains and cemeteries and graveyards, who spends his day doing nothing, in other words, meditating, and you have Vishnu, who spends his days on battlefields, surrounded by women in courts, doing his duty as a king to his people. Both narratives are equally legit. Let's take our twist now. Bring the right hand over the left knee and with justice guide that left knee down, but reach now that left hand out to the left. So left knee comes down to the right, left arm reaches out to the left. Pin the left shoulder blade down. And then notice how this culture plays with its masculinity. Arjuna, one of the manliest men in our mythology, spends many years cross-dressing. He becomes a dancing instructor, instructing the princesses in a royal palace the arts of dance. Krishna is a rather fruity form of Vishnu. What does Krishna do but play his flute and dance and sing and, and, and you know, frolic in the gardens and in the forests of Vrindavan? Shiva is often depicted having homoerotic sex because he's unable to distinguish between man and woman, or he just doesn't care. 
you have many Puranas in which he screws demons, knowing full well that they are men. <laughs> Maybe turning the head to look at that left thumb now. So like you are in a twist, your body is all twisted. So too are our notions of masculinity. In one hand, we reify them. Skanda or Muruga, the warrior, Kartikeyan, son of Shiva, ultimate warrior. In another sense, Ganesh, son of Shiva, a rather uh, passive, quiet, restful, and scholarly man. Shiva, the ultimate world renouncer, sitting alone in mountains. But also Vishnu, involved in the wars and affairs of men. What is what now? Who knows? So as you notice how Vishnu takes female forms like Mohini or Maya, notice how Shiva rubbishes notions of heterosexuality. Notice how inaction and action are both masculine. Notice that the idea of masculinity is now of balance. It is not any one thing, but rather the organization of all the things. Bring the knee back up to center and draw both knees back into the chest. We're coming now into Apanasana, regain your structure. We're going to roll out of this pose now to our right side, coming into fetal pose. So just rest on your side, drawing the knees into the chest, tuck the chin and curl into a little ball. Spend a moment here in Apanasana. So now that you've learned what you've learned, the balance between force and form, between effort and effortlessness, structure and energy, let's take that into these next few poses. So just uh, those cues are going to be there for you. Remember them as often as you can, and we'll start to flow just a little bit. So press the palms into the floor and come up now to tabletop pose, hands under the shoulders, knees under the hips, and standing in your tabletop pose, spread the fingers, and feel the circumference of the palm on the floor. You might have the backs of the feet down or you might tuck the toes. Adjust how wide your hands are. Then on the inhale, lift the chin and take a static cow pose. So hold the cow, lift the chin, arch the upper back, press the shoulder blades into the back. Drop the navel to the floor and look at this. Shoulder blades are firm, press the shoulder blades, yet release the belly. So where there is force, there is uh, also release. Exhale, go the other way, tuck the chin, spread the shoulder blades apart. Now lift the navel up into the spine. There's some structure drawing the stomach up, but releasing the head. Inhale, again, cow pose, lift the chin. Take a few breaths here. Feel what your hands and feet are doing. Your feet, sorry, your hands are pulling back as if you were drawing the mat closer towards your knees. Not actually, but as a sensation. Now exhale, tuck the chin, spread the shoulder blades apart. You might feel like your palms are pushing the mat away from your knees. One last cow, inhale, hold it, lift the chin, maybe gazing up. Sternum crawls forward as you take the shoulder heads back, pressing the shoulder blades into the back. Shoulder blades spin towards one another and the tips are pressing into the back. Exhale, shoulder blades rotate away from one another and round, 
shoulder blades spreading to curl around the front ribs. Breathe in and out through the patch of skin between the shoulder blades. Breathe in the back body, please. And return to tabletop. Let's now take a very structured pose that requires a lot of discipline. Walk the right hand forward, step the left leg back to plank. And we are going to engage the core now, but do this gently. Keep the eyes soft, keep the jaw soft, bring a slight smile to your face as you gently lift the right palm off the floor, lengthening the right arm alongside the right ear, lift the left toes off the floor, lifting the left thigh up to the hip uh, or the height of the hip. Very nicely done. Okay, Ryan, there's a little kink in your wrist. Just bring the wrist forward a little bit. Yep, there you go. Look at how much energy is flowing now. Your arm is like a hose. Make sure there are no kinks there. Judy, bring the fingers together and flip the palm so the palm faces the uh, kitchen island. Yes, like that. And now, sense how the energy is moving out the root of your arm through the elbow and through the uh, fingers. If the arm is bent, energy won't flow. But if the arm is too straight, it becomes lifeless. So negotiate that, please, and hold. Lift the left inseam of the leg, neutralizing the left thigh. Kick the left heel back, flex the left toes back. Just a few more moments, balance. Hug the outer hips in towards the midline for stability and support. Feel your strength. Kate, arm a little higher. Yes. There we go. Arm lines up with the right ear. Just a moment more. Inhale, smooth, soft inhale. Maybe holding. Use your ujjayi breath to energize yourself. Exhale, bring the knee down, bring the palm down. And please take child's pose. You might make a pillow with your hand or forearms, you might bring an actual pillow in, you might turn the face to one or the other cheek and then rest. You know, it's funny, notice how uh, Father's Day dinners are often on Friday and Saturday, but not Sunday. Because the last thing dad wants to do is hang out with the family on the one day that dad gets to watch golf. (laughs) That's the trope I found here in America. Now the idea is, recognizing the need for rest and being by yourself. You see, Shiva is a very empowering archetype for men in the same way that Shakti is empowering for women. Shakti is all power. She's empowerment. In a society in which women are made to feel disempowered, feel as if their desire for adventure and spiritual uh, investigation is somewhat selfish that their role as the homemaker, as the mother, is more important. A woman is trained to put the needs of others before her own. And so the Shakti image comes along, saying that a woman is not just Lakshmi, nor is she just Saraswati. She is also Hera and Artemis. She is Kali, devouring the world in her ecstasy. She is allowed to dance and be inappropriate. She is allowed to scoff at the rules of society, forcing her into narrow confines of etiquette. 
She is allowed to tenaciously pursue her own ends, recognizing that your own responsibility to yourself is the best thing you can do for anyone else. Fulfilling that, that is. But similarly, where Kali empowers a woman to abandon her social roles in favor for her own spiritual quest, so too does the Shiva symbol provide men with an archetype to abandon their cultural roles. Why do they have to provide for their family? Why do they have to be the leaders of their household? Why must they be the quote unquote leaders of society? Must they take onto their shoulders the needs of the many? Structuring society? No, Shiva says, abandon that. Go on your own quest, find yourself. And only then can you be of service to others. So the question is, is spiritual quest, is it selfish? Shouldn't you be working in the world as opposed to meditating all day? Vivekananda says, only a monk is a true worker. Only a monk can give proper service to others because only the monk has stepped out of their own way in order to be of greatest service. So please take this child's pose now as a rest as a recognition of the need for rest. Be with yourself. Yes, my voice is here. And for this hour, I will say a lot for there is a lot to share and offer, God willing. But allow my voice rather than take you out of your own space, allow it to be the permission to give yourself the permission to go in, round the back now, Spread the shoulder blades apart. Tuck the chin. Curl into a ball. Forget the world around you. This is your time. This is your space. It took discipline to take this hour and 15 minutes away from your schedule to tell the ones who depend on you, I need this time so that I can be of greater service to you. Or not. Or I just need this time. Fuck off. <laughs> That's fine too. So let this child's pose be that. Just for at least three more breaths, surrender all that you need to do today. Just be with yourself. And when you feel like it, you're under no obligation, but I do recommend doing the other side too. Let's come back to tabletop. We're going to do the second side of this uh, hold. So knees, hips distance apart, hands, shoulder distance apart. Walk the left hand forward now, step the right leg back to plank. And then when you're ready, lift that left hand in line with the left ear, lift the inseam of the right thigh as in Virabhadrasan three, warrior three. And then even out the sacrum. So the right side of the sacrum, nice, Ryan, is on the same plane as the left part of the sacrum. Lift the right arches, pointing the right toes to the floor. Actually, when I say point, you'll do the ballerina thing. So flex, flex the right toes to the floor, not point. Lift that inner edge of the right thigh. 
and then send the right heel back as you shoot energy through the left fingertips. Feel the flow of energy from tailbone through the crown of the head. And Kate, I would tuck the chin in just a little more so that you can align the crown of your head over the opening in the throat and you can feel your spine elongating nicely. For you, Ryan, I would lift the chin just slightly, just a little, yes, that's it. Just keeping the crown of the head in line with the opening in the perineum. All right, just a few more moments. Reach through the fingers, kick back with the leg, feel your heat, but stay soft in the face. Lift the sides of the navel, but stay soft in the diaphragm, soft in the breath. Exhale, bring the knee down, bring the hand down. Child's pose, please. Rest. We're really not doing a lot today. We're exploring principles. And uh, humbly, it is my hope that these principles, God willing, can serve you as you practice throughout the week. When you do your vigorous Ashtanga series, when you do your Vinyasa level two, level three classes, when you explore your strength, remember that it is a balance between tyranny and complacency. Remember that if you are not ruling with joy, then you are ruling unjustly. If there is no lightness, serenity, and joyfulness, that action is flawed and ought not to be done. If there is tightness in the body, sit still, breathe, and only then act. If there is tightness in the heart, speak not any words. For verily I say unto thee, words and actions that are born of tightness will always create more harm than good. It is better to be inactive than it is to be unskillfully active. But better than all of these is to be skillfully active. The secret of the Gita, and indeed the secret of all work, is to remain peaceful and serene, even in the intensity of activity. The Taoists call this Wu Wei, effortless effort or actionless action. We're going to take a very smooth and brief vinyasa, but the idea is, can you allow the vinyasa to do you? So rather than you doing the poses, just watch the poses happening on its own, through you as opposed to by you. So let's come now to tabletop. Walk the hands ahead of the shoulders, about one or two paw prints. Tuck the toes and exhale to Andho Mukha Svanasana, down dog. Lift the hips, firm the thighs, send the heels back and take your first down dog. Drop the neck, drop the head. And you might like to maybe bend the knees a little, lift the hips a little higher, bend one knee, then straighten it, bend the other knee, then straighten it. Windshield wiper the heels, anything you need to do to ease into the movement. So a little fluidity, a little sensuality in order to achieve structure, discipline, and stillness. As you find your still 
static down dog. Notice how much movement there is in the body. Press down with the thumb and for, first finger or forefinger. Ground into the mat with the inner edges of the palm. Lift the forearms ever so slightly to shift weight out of the wrist. Curl the upper outer arms down and under to create space in the shoulder girdle. Feel how your inner shoulders lift away from your ears. Very nice. Now imagine hands on your waist pulling back and up. Beautifully, in the absence of an instructor in the room with you, you must be a lamp unto yourself, as the Buddha would have wanted. The Christ, peace and blessings be upon him, would say to you now as you struggle into this pose and maintain it, these and even greater works shall ye do, for I am going unto the Father. Can you take this pose as Jesus took his crucifixion? Peace and blessings be upon him. The Christ was not in pain as he was nailed to the cross. Can you too also experience the, the heat in your arms, the strength required to hold this pose, perhaps even the discomfort, the tapasya, but can you not allow pain to turn to suffering? Just let it be, smile at it, grin at it, breathe into it. What's it have to do with you? You are not the body, pain in the body. What's it have to do with you? Hold it one more moment. Feel the heat in your shoulders and let's come now to plank, please. Inhale, come forward. You might take a child's pose, that's fine. But our next pose is plank. And we're going to hold that plank. Now remember, don't let this become tyranny. Discipline, yes. Structure, yes. Push the envelope. Show yourself that your limitations don't exist. But honor them when it's time to honor them. It's a balance. Only you know the difference. But today, let's err on the side of structure and discipline. Be a badass. Okay, exhale, knees down, come to the floor, please. We'll come on our belly and we'll take a few cobra poses now. Walk the palms back so the thumbs line up with the uh, nipple line. Bring the elbows closer together so that they line up with the tops of the shoulder heads. And then begin to lift the shoulder heads away from the ears. Ryan, uh, face down, forehead down. Yeah, so bring the forehead down and then inhale, come up. Yeah, so you want to tuck the chin in first and then inhale, lift the face, then lift the chest, lift one or two ribs, maybe take the belly off the floor, exhale, come down. Cobra pose, Bhujangasana. Okay, before you take the next cobra, press the backs of the feet down. Ryan, excellent with the knees. Knees are lifted, thighs are firm. Spin the inseam of the thighs up towards the ceiling. Ground down with the tops of the thighs or where the buttock meets the hamstrings. Yes, you're getting a lot of cues today for structure. Inhale, come up. Cobra, Bhujangasana. Exhale, come down. And dynamically, please, inhale, Bhujangasana, Cobra. Exhale, come down. One more time, Bhujangasana, Cobra, inhale. Exhale, come down, elbows squeezing together and pause now. 
take the uh, hands behind the sacrum, interlace the fingers and press the knuckles towards the heels. And now inhale, lift the face, lift the chest. Bhujangasana, but without the hands. Exhale, come down. Again, inhale, press the knuckles towards the heels, lift the face, lift the chest, lift the thighs too, Shalabhasana. Exhale, come down. Bring the arms out ahead of you. So like a Superman pose. Next pose is Shalabhasana Locust. Palms can face one another like you did in the beginning of class today. Inhale, lift the right arm only, lift the left leg only. So opposite sides, like you just did. Tucking the chin slightly, lifting the chest, lifting the right side of the torso. Exhale, come down. Alternate now, left arm up, right leg up. Inhale, Shalabhasana. Coil from the lower back. Sternum reaches forward, just like cow pose. Exhale, come down. Both sides now. Inhale, lift both arms. Lift both legs. Shalabhasana. Shoot energy through the fingers. Point the toes now and shoot energy to, through the toes. Lift a little higher. Legs a little higher. Arms in line with the biceps. Exhale, come down. Beautifully done. All right, let's push back to child's pose, please, and rest. Very excellently done. So just take a moment to find your child's pose and go back into your own inner space. Find your breath. Maybe now surrender your ujjayi breath. Maybe now surrender your samavritti breath, your structure. No need to count inhale, no need to count the pause, no need to count the exhale. Just allow the breath to flow naturally and spontaneously. The Christ, peace and blessings be upon him, really only had two things to teach, honestly. How to relax and how to forgive. If you learn how to do those two things, you would have mastered the highest virtues of spiritual life. How to relax and how to forgive. What is forgiveness really but relaxation? Forgiveness is letting go and letting go is relaxing. So really the Christ had one thing to teach. Relax. It's all being done for you. Look ye at the birds. Think ye they care what they eat, where they sleep, what they will wear for raiment. Think ye they store grain. They do not sow, they do not reap. Yet the Lord looks after them. Are ye not better than sparrows? Do you really need to make that much money? Is the money being made for you? How much do you need to eat anyway? What kind of bed do you need to sleep in? Could you live on the floor? Not to say you need to do those things, but just recognize that if right now you were to lose all your money, you were to lose your home, and if you were left totally by yourself in the world, 
Would that be so bad? Would you die? And let's assume you do die. Would that be so bad? Ultimately, you relax when you realize there are no consequences. Let's inhale and come up now into a kneeling pose, Vajrasana. So we're just opening up the backs of the feet a little more and knees together. We're going to take a twist before we close our practice. Inhale, take the arms up into the air. Uh, Ryan, bring the backs of the feet down. So no need to do Thai goddess today. Yes, just come down. Inhale, take the arms up into the air. Exhale, bring the right hand to the left knee and twist to the right. Oh, sorry, twist to the left. Right hand to the left knee. Left fingertips on the floor behind the sacrum, twisting to the left. After back bends, it's nice to twist. And sit up tall, find a kind of space in between each vertebral disc. Climb the crown of the head up towards the ceiling, regal, noble, and majestic across the chest and in the face. You are a king. Not just that, you are the sons and daughters of the owner of the universe. (laughs) You own everything. Walk like that. Inhale, take the arms into the air again. Exhale, bring the uh, left hand over the right knee, right fingertips behind the sacrum and twist. It is not befitting for the king and queen of this universe to walk around dejectedly with the uh, head hanging low. What is there to be sad about? It's all yours. Walk into every restaurant like you own it because you do. You projected it through consciousness. Treat everyone, not just like brother and sister, but yourself, for verily are they just that. Take your time with everything. After all, you own the universe, so what's the rush? Inhale, take the arms up into the air. Exhale, press palms and bring them over the heart. Slowly draw energy down into the heart. We'll just do this once more. Inhale, sweep the arms through the sides. When you get to the top, you might press palms. Move as if moving through thick honey. Lift the chin, look up. Exhale, bring the energy down through the crown of the head into the heart. Pause. Then let the hands fall to the lap and please come now to Pashimottanasana to close our class. So just come and sit down, straighten the legs out in front of you. You might sit on some kind of support. So this is our final pose of the day. You might bring a stack of blankets or a pillow underneath the sit bones. Flex the feet back. So the toes press forward. The Sorry, the big toes press forward. The little toes press back. The feet like to close, so the idea is to bloom the feet out. Big toe presses forward, pinky toe presses back, flex the toes back. Inhale, take the arms up into the air. Exhale, fold forward, either catching the big toe, catching the sides of the feet, or uh, looping a strap around the soles of the feet and drawing yourself forward. All of these are good options for you.
And you might bring a slight bend to the knees in order to release the hamstrings a little more. You might straighten the legs and firm the thighs in order to involve the hamstrings a bit more. You might tuck the chin and round the back in order to involve the back muscles more. Do what you need to do, but do it with structure, intention, and poise. We'll just take one last exhale here, releasing the belly into the thighs, maybe bending the elbows a little bit. And when you inhale, slowly lift up and come into your favorite meditation seat. I will leave you in meditation. Might sit in a chair, you might sit cross-legged. You might even sit in Virasana or Vajrasana like we just did. You might place the palms one in the other on the lap. You might place the palms face down on the thighs or face up. Whatever you'd like to do. Find the structure in your chest by broadening across the collarbones and bow the head. So chest stays broad, but the face drops. Soften the base of the neck. Soften the jaw. And I will walk you through just a very brief meditation. Start by noticing the way breath is moving in and out of the nose. There's no need to breathe in any other way than the way you are breathing right now. Gentle, unhurried, spontaneous breath. Receive openly all the sounds around you and feel how the cloth and air sits upon your skin. Staying very receptive in the skin and in the ears, feel into the vibration of the following teaching. I will pass it on to you and then I will chant Om and the peace chant and then I will just close the meeting. So no need to say goodbye or anything. The time now is 11.36 in California. If you have the luxury to continue sitting, please continue sitting. The teaching is as follows. When you are in a nightmare, you feel disempowered. You are being chased. You are being hunted. You are being oppressed. The nightmare is horrific. When you wake up, you feel a sigh of relief. You feel empowered again because you realize you were never in the dream. The dream was always in you. Every character in the dream was just a projection of your own mind. There were no oppressors that you did not create. And realizing that you created them brings a tremendous relief. As you transitioned out of dreaming into waking, the dream state dissolved, became toothless, and you could happily go on with your day. Similarly, 
Notice in this waking world that nothing exists apart from your being aware of it. Nothing exists beyond the immediacy of this moment, except as a concept or a blind belief. You do not and cannot prove the world's existence beyond this moment, beyond your immediate perception. As such, it is your perception that creates for you the world. It cannot be shown to be otherwise, except on faith. As you withdraw your uh, perception, you withdraw the world back into you. Do this now. Closing the eyes, bowing the head, go inward and notice that the world has seized around you. When you open your eyes after your meditation, notice that the world is being created. It is being emanated. It is being projected forth into existence by virtue of your opening of the eyes. God is the creator of the world, is she not? You are the creator of the world. In other words, awareness is the creator of the world. God is therefore awareness and is therefore you. Before Abraham was, I am. I am that I am. And that's what you are. So I will repeat a few phrases, chant, and close the meeting. Please dwell on this idea. Feel into its vibration. You created this world. Everything that is here, you put it here. Recognize this and be not afraid. Be fearless. Walk like the creator that you are. Be compassionate. Recognize that everything is one and the same and is your very own. Tattvamasi, that thou art. Pragyanam Brahma, perception is God. Aham Brahmasmi, I am awareness, I am the absolute. Eheye, I am that I am. Thank you for coming. Om peace, peace, peace.